How are you doing today? This is Donald Wells with another episode of a different type of bean counter. Uh, you can find us at wellcpaoh.com. And uh, as a firm, we're, we're unique for those that are just um, finding us. We specialize in the not-for-profit space. Somewhere around, currently, as we're constituted, somewhere around 85 to 90% of what we do is, uh, is in the not-for-profit space and working with them in different ways and different capacities. So uh, that, that makes us a, a little bit of a unique firm. Today was time for me to release another podcast, and I did not know what to do it on. And um, I was in the office, I was sharing with the staff, and uh, they said, controls, you can always talk about controls, and I'm like, you're right. So uh, we're going to do some insight and controls are key to limiting fraud in not-for-profits. Now, if you've heard me talk about controls before, before you turn it off, I've got a couple of statistics I'm going to read for you from a recent survey. The Association of Certified Fraud Examiners published its biannual report to the nation's 2022 global study on occupational fraud and abuse. Of the types of organizations surveyed by the ACFE, not-for-profits actually were least likely to experience occupational fraud. Great news. Great news, not-for-profit probably incurred less fraud by employees doing their workday than other types of industries. That is great news. Um, However, ACFE goes on to say uh, they're also probably least likely to uh, afford a fraud loss. And they're probably looking at it strictly from a financial standpoint, but I look at it from other standpoints. Um, fraud at a not-for-profit creates a tremendous amount of trust uh, withdrawal, a deficit in trust. And in the not-for-profit space, we truly rely on trust to build our donors, to build our finances. So a loss of trust is massive. The other thing is a loss of reputation. Uh, you know, you get one time to make a first impression and then it's it's a shame that one thing can take away years of positive deposits into a relationship. But fraud is one of those things that can, can make that happen. Um, the medium loss of uh, defrauded nonprofits based upon the ACFE report is about $60,000. Probably not a massive number, um, but I'll put it in a little bit of perspective for you. The average donor gives in the United States, the average person, I'm sorry, the average person in the United States gives about 1,800 bucks a year. Um, So if that person, if those people are all giving that to you, that would be a loss of about 33 donors. Uh, about 33 donors on an annual basis. So um, you don't, you may not think it's hard or a big number, but let's ask your development person or your executive director how hard it is to make 33 new uh, ask or, or to execute 33 new ask. So just to put that in some perspective for you, 
Um, let me see. Oh, this the report also said that generally um, it's a lack of financial and staff resources that create uh, the fraud. We all know that not for profit organizations want to desire to should be spending their money on program, whatever they're in business for uh, to service our community, to make our world a better place. They don't want to spend money on. Uh, folks just checking other folks to make sure they're doing the right things. So yes, that's that's absolutely right. There's also probably a little bit of a they use the words less vigorous oversight, um, a uh, lack of true risk assessment. Um, I look at it, and I have a real good friend, Dwight Montgomery that we look at things as a mission or a, a nonprofit on a nonprofit platform versus a, a mission on a business platform. Uh, we, we work in the not-for-profit space. We work so much out of our heart and we wanna believe in people. We wanna help people. We wanna work with people. And part of that lends itself to us being a little bit more exposed uh, to uh, the ills of what some people will do and can do. So um, I think the industry in and of itself just lends itself to a little bit more of uh, exposure to fraud. It's great news that uh, the survey says it's least likely to happen. That is fantastic news. And it's also great news that it's it's $60,000 is a lot of money. But it's not a massive number. Uh, so it's also great news that it usually doesn't get to be a, a huge number. Uh, the one thing that we do know, and uh, I operate out of Central Ohio at uh, wellscpaoh.com uh, is our website. We do know, and I've tracked this and I've looked at it, very, very rarely do we go a full week without something in the newspaper about something going wrong at a not-for-profit organization. Uh, the same thing could happen at my accounting firm, but the newspaper is not publicizing it simply because I don't have the public trust necessarily the way a not-for-profit does. And let's not look at my accounting firm because we know that Accountants are highly trustworthy and uh, uh, highly valued for their consulting. Let's look at it as a um, as a as a gas station. Let's say the same thing happens at a gas station where an employee is committing theft to the tune of sixty thousand dollars. I doubt if that ever really hits the newspaper. At a not-for-profit space, that that will always hit the newspaper and. And that's one of the losses that I talk about is just the loss of trust and loss of reputation. So, all right, Don, you told us these stories. You told us the numbers. Great. I'm concerned about internal controls. What can I do? What can I do to protect myself? Um, and I'm going to tell you what the um, Association of Certified Fraud Examiner said. Uh, they say that... Um, you can do surprise audits, do real formal risk assessments. When COVID hit, this was one of the things that I did a podcast on. 
I w- I then became tired and very um, forceful with a lot of my clients that we need to do formal risk assessments. We need to think outside the box. We need to think critically. Where are the risks and who, if you will, are the risk uh, people? Um, we need to do a review of the internal controls and internal processes. I sit on some boards and I'm ashamed to say that I do not know the uh, check signing authority, maybe of the executive director, or how checks get processed. As an accountant, there's no better person to advise on a process than I am. But I, I, I don't know because I haven't asked. So I, what can we do? We can really become engaged to do those surprise audits. Um, some people call those desk audits. That's what we used to call them uh, back in the day. We would do a desk audit where you just showed up at someone's desk and said, hey, today, just back away from the desk. We're going to go through to see what you have at your desk and what you're working on. Um, those were desk audits. Um, that's one thing that can always be done. Really do uh, formal risk assessments. The other thing that I think the not-for-profit space is light on are mandatory vacations. Um, I've had clients before where my biggest recommendation as a result of an audit is that Bob and Sally need to take a vacation. They need to take a vacation so that we can see how things operate when they're not there. Mandatory vacations are one of the places that uh, fraud is usually found, especially at the government level. Um, I think it's more so at the government level because information still has to be processed. People have to sit at the desk. You can start to see things that are happening uh, differently. As an accountant, here's what I would tell you regarding um, controls and frauds. Separation of duties is key. Hey, Don, I'm a nonprofit. How do I separate duties? Reach out to me, uh, wellscpaoh.com, or go to your accountant. Uh, The AICPA has a nice little flyer, it's like three pages long, of how you can separate duties even when you're in a one-person office. Um, the way that you do that is that you start to incorporate a board member or board members into the process. Desk audits. Desk audits, man, it just hit me as I was reading the ACFE report. I'd forgotten about those. Phenomenal tools. Uh, make sure that you have an open door policy uh, and that you have a whistleblower policy that people know about. I know some not-for-profit organizations where the executive director works off times than everyone else on the staff. That makes it really hard for a staff person who is seeing something to raise it as an issue. And and a lot of times, it's, it's fascinating to me, staff may not even know who's on the board. Obviously, we don't necessarily need staff at every board meeting, but it would be nice for them to know who the chair is or who their treasurer is so they could reach out to someone if they had a question. Um, I learned this just recently. Listen to individual co-workers' comments. Um, I had a performance issue in my office uh, recently and uh, my staff knew. My staff knew. Now, I knew also, um, but my staff knew. 
and you would listen to their comments. You could see their posture, their attitudes, everything surrounding this issue. You could tell that they felt something. So just be tuned into that. People will want you to ask the question, ask the follow-up question. They won't want to say it first out of fear, but they will give you openings. And if you are in tune to that, that is one of the greatest things that you can do to prevent fraud within your organization. So a couple of ideas, a couple of thoughts. Um, Let me see. I think I covered it all there. So hopefully that gives you a little bit to go on. Hopefully that's a little bit different of a conversation on controls and fraud. Um, Think on it. What ideas, what things could you do to protect yourself and your organization that you're not currently doing? And if every year you just add one easy thing that's cost effective in three or four years, you really have a much stronger internal process. Don't get caught of doing things the same way you've always done them just because you've done them that way. Challenge yourselves. Look at different ways of doing things. And if you need help, let me know because I'm a different type of bean counter. I will give you different thoughts and different ways. That's the way that we pride ourselves in our office. WellCPAOH.com different type of bean counter you can go to the website you can listen to all the other podcasts Uh, you'll hear other speaking engagements that we've done you can subscribe for the podcast on a plethora of platforms just know that this information is available to you to go back through to use as ticklers in your thought processes that's why it's here it's a library of information let me know what you want me to talk about have a great day